This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ, brought to you with support from our pals at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. Uh, We've seen some challenging goal reviews in the last couple of weeks, partner, where a goalie has been interfered with and a loose puck has gone into the net. Now, I'll give you two instances, AJ, and I wonder if you've seen either one of them, but uh, it was clear that in both instances there should have been no goal. In the first, Joe Thornton of the Maple Leafs pushed a goalie's pad, and at the time a puck was loose right in front of it, not covered at all or anything like that, but both wound up going past the goal line, and it was ruled no goal. I think that's the right call because you can't push a goalie's piece of equipment into the net and have a puck follow it in. That's a rule. And uh, a couple of days later, the Leafs were playing against, uh, no, Brendan Gallagher was playing against Calgary, I think it was. And they spun a goalie completely around, AJ, a complete 360. And there was like five seconds left on the clock. So you can imagine the action was pretty frantic. And a puck was shot into the net while this was going on, and the rule of no goal. And now uh, the goalie did have time to turn around and get almost get back to his feet. And Habs fans were apoplectic over that one because they said the goalie had time to reset. But did they forget about the fact that Gallagher, with his hand, grabbed the guy's foot and spun him completely around like four seconds before that shot? That's still interference. You can't do that to a goalie, can you? No, no, I, I definitely agree with both those calls being interference. The, the one that gets me, and, and the refs have gotten better and better about this, but when a guy gets, like, shoved into the goalie and then they call interference on the guy, it's like, well, that's not his fault. If, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if one of the Leafs shoves somebody into Freddie Anderson, like, that's not goalie interference because th- what was that guy supposed to do? So uh, those are the only situations where I kind of – get a little wonky and, and and get a little upset when they uh, follow through with that. But to their credit, they've gotten a lot better in those reviews about like actually looking at the before instance, they're not looking at just the contact, but you know, was this guy pushed into the goalie? And and so I get, it's a difficult call all around, you know, yes, maybe, you know, maybe he had time to get reset, but 
Um, you know, I agree. If there's any, like, if it's on the fringe, it has to, you know, it's like in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. If it's on the edge, I think the tie needs to go to the goalie here, uh, that it was interference and that he wasn't able to get set. AJ, it's it's just one of the headaches that the league is having to deal with. Uh, the COVID uh, impact is still being felt. There's some games being canceled here and there, but the number of those instances at least is dropping down. So we're optimistic that more games are going to be played than not, and, and we'll have fewer of these interruptions going forward because we can tell you, this is not meant to be a public service announcement, but, but the number of infections I, I'm seeing are going down rapidly, and I'm optimistic that, that between that and, and whatever other precautions are being taken, they do take hold and we finally see COVID covid go away i can't wait for that it's been a year now almost that we've been dealing with that stuff and uh feel bad for anybody obviously who has has had to deal with that uh, a complete uh shocker the way this thing has kind of taken over the world uh that we live in but thankfully we have the distraction of hockey and sports and uh I'm smiling like the butcher's dog today because my team is number one in the league, AJ. I don't know how many leaf, leaf <laughs> references we're going to have on the show, but it could be a record. I'm going to try and hold my enthusiasm for the club by the wayside. You're going to get to talk about them before I do in the rest of the show, but I had to get a shot in, didn't I? <laughs> well, of course, of course. You know, to your, to your point, Paul, though, you know, you look at the, the COVID uh, protocol-related absences list from the NHL yesterday. We're down to just four guys on that list. Uh, so that's pretty impressive based, you know, at one point, I think there were four or five teams that had, you know, 10 guys on the, right. on the list, you that's know, right. so um, it's good to see that those numbers are going down uh, from that standpoint. And yeah, to your point, hopefully we've seen the last of cancellations, both, uh, you know, COVID and weather as we start to turn the tide into spring uh, March is here and, and hopefully we're going to get some better weather uh, for those of us that live, you know, on, on the northern part of the the the, the north of North America, you know, you <laughs> up in Toronto, me here in Wisconsin, uh, obviously our friends who are Tampa or uh, Panther fans uh, aren't too worried about the weather these days. That's true, my friend. In any case, before we go through and look at our 31 teams, I'm going to ask you please to do a, do us a solid and remind our listeners about our primary sponsor at Owner's Box. Hey, NHL fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests. Keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you have what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today in honor of the NHL season. If you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500 what are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. 
All right, partner, let's roll. You're going to be the one that starts us off with a look at Anaheim. What do you see in the Ducks team that went 0-2-1 last week? Well, not a whole lot of uh, anything going around uh, on well for the Ducks at this point. You know, up until, uh, you know, through last week on the on the season, this was the team, the only team in the league that was averaging less than two goals per game. Now they put a couple extra up. So if you look today, you'll see they're averaging 2.05 per game right now. Um, but really that's still the worst in the league. Uh, you know, the next closest is Detroit at 2.13. So they're, I mean, they're significantly behind the pace in terms of offensive production here. And unfortunately for them, the, the goaltending, which had been relatively solid comparatively, uh, has dropped off a bit here too. You've got John Gibson, Oh, two and one, uh, in his last three starts with a point eight seven two save percentage. Ryan Miller's only start, an overtime defeat, 0.893. So neither guy up over that 900 save percentage mark. Uh, So really not a lot to choose from, whether it's season long or DFS. If you're maybe trying to find one guy, Isaac Ludstrom, three goals in the last four games. So maybe he is your one option here. Um, But even that, you know, with how few goals there are, it's going to be hit or miss, um, but he certainly won't break the bank for you in terms of, of DFS salary. Uh, so maybe it's it's a guy worth taking a flyer on, depending on the matchup. Yeah, uh, last week I mentioned Cam Fowler. Keep an eye on him because a couple of other scoring options from the back end are on the in the infirmary. Fowler has responded. AJ handling that role at least with a goal and and four assists last in the last few games for the, the Ducks. So that's another positive sign, if you will, a guy that will uh, be the linchpin on the power play there. So it could be a cheap DFS option if you're spending money, big money up upside elsewhere. Fowler will come cheap, but he's productive right now. He's scored points in his last four games over in Arizona the uh, Coyotes went two and two last week we talked about Phil Kessel he's been scoring regularly another two goals three assists last week and on the back end Jeff Chikrin continues to be a nice productive defenseman there are a couple of other guys in that roster that are more notable than him in terms of uh, ability to score from the back end but Chikrin certainly has been leading the parade there for about two or three weeks now Christian Dvorak as a youngster who they're also looking at to produce uh, and drive the offense from his position as one of the scoring line uh, pivots and uh, he produced two goals and one assist and Connor Garland had four assists last week but there's a note injury note on him AJ that he's day-to-day with a lower body hurt so before you plug him in in your next game make sure he's healthy and and ready to go but when he is he's a real key to that offense kind of a pest in the mold of a Zach Hyman or Brennan Gallagher as two comparables that I see Lawson Krause and Derek Broussard are candidates for more ice time on left wing in, in Garland's absence if there is any uh, I would go for Krause over Broussard personally uh, Darcy Kemper missed the last two games and remained sidelined with a lower body injury that's afforded Aiden Hill to appear in goal during two of the last three games so the goalie switches are a plenty in Arizona keep an eye on that if you want to plug one of them into your mix yeah, all indications are that, that Garland and Kemper could be back on Wednesday. I would expect um, for, for Garland, I'd expect Rick Tockett to call him a game time decision. Uh, you know, Tockett's uh, previous stint was as, a, as a, an assistant to Pittsburgh's Mike Sullivan, who's never confirmed a player back in the lineup, I, I think, in his three years in Pittsburgh. He calls the guy's game time decision, and I think Rick Tockett pretty much follows suit there. So, Garland, I would expect game time decision. Now, Kemper, a little bit more difficult because if he's going to start, it's a guy can't start and be a game time decision, right? <laughs> um, 
So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but things are trending in the right direction for both of those guys. Uh, in Boston, things uh, can, you know, maybe dropped off a little bit if you want to see it that way. One and two last week. Uh, and, and they're dealing still with, with a couple of injuries here. Uh, Grzelczyk has still been sidelined. David Krejci picked up an injury. He's missed uh, several games here in a row and actually was placed on IR recently. Uh, though that won't affect his timeline. He's already missed four games, so he could still be activated as soon as they play next. Um, and then Andre Kasha continues to be out. So getting a, a little bit of uh, injury woes from those guys. They've And, you know, the other problem with them, uh, not a lot coming out of those those big guns like you would expect. Uh, you know, David Pasternak continues to roll four assists in his last three games. But for their level, I will call three points in three games from Brad Marchant, maybe a dip <laughs> um, for what you expect out of them. But the biggest lapse here is Patrice Bergeron, just one goal in those last three games. So um, they're going to need more from that top line and, and they're going to need to get healthy. Otherwise, they could continue to do, you know, one and two, two and one kind of weeks. Uh, and, and I think that'll be good enough at this point to get them through. Uh, at the top, but they're in a very competitive uh, division there. And, and they're already falling behind Washington with the Islanders uh, nipping at their heels. Yeah. They rebound with a vic- rebounded with a nice win four uh, one win after two lopsided losses though. And AJ, that's, that's an alarm bell for me. I haven't seen the Bruins get ripped twice in a row like that in a long time. Maybe it has something to do with the disruption at center. Uh, Charlie Coyle is going to step in there, as you mentioned, and, and uh, he picked up two goals and one assist. So he, he's been scoring recently anyway, but uh, I, I think he's a very viable option in the middle of that second line going forward and you'd like to think that maybe those two lopsided losses are just a blip on the radar and uh, the Bruins have righted the ship going forward in Buffalo it's anything but a ship being righted of late Uh, certainly Rasmus Dahlin picked up three helpers and Jack Eichel there's rumors of his discontent the guy's only got 14 points on the year and two only two goals uh, minus eight as well on his ledger his wingers though Olafson and Reinhardt uh, are scoring regularly and uh, Phil the net actually with I guess that's where he's getting most of his assists obviously but they'd want to see Eichel in a happier state that hasn't been the case and it's largely because the Sabres continue to flounder with uh, four losses out of the five games they played last week Jeff Skinner is getting more ice time in the last couple of games in an effort to try and get him going there's really been no results in terms of the scoring stats yet but you want to think that they're going to stick with that plan for a while I mentioned Darlene's numbers on in uh, the last week with three assists but on the season an ugly minus 17 and he's been paired with another the other Rasmus Rasmus Ristolainen who's a minus one hopefully to steady his uh, defensive side of his game a little bit Uh, we did mention he has the three assists but it's overshadowed by the the fact that more goals are going, going into the Buffalo net while he's on the ice and that's a real big concern I just, you know, you look at this team on paper and I, I, I know they're in what I would call the hardest division in, in the league right now, but how are they this bad? I mean, Taylor Hall has got to be praising his stars. He only took a one-year deal <laughs> and he's going to be jumping ship, you know, sooner rather than later, but he's certainly part of the problem. You talk about one goal this season and that was opening night. He hasn't scored since opening night of the season. I mean, that's, that's clearly a problem for, for Taylor Hall. Jeff Skinner overpaid at this point. Uh, I can certainly understand why Jack Eichel would want to get out of Dodge because it's just been a continued run of bad performances. Now, I, you know, 
give some credit to the Buffalo front office. They certainly have tried. Um, it seemed, you know, bringing in Jeff Skinner seemed like a good idea a couple of years ago, maybe not exactly at that astronomical uh, contract, but uh, he came in with good numbers, obviously bringing in Taylor Hall. They've done well to bolster the defense. There's, there's just problems that continue to you know linger here. And I, I'm not certain what the solution is again. Uh, getting Skinner off the books would be huge, but I don't know how to make that work. And that's the topic. I know I brought it up last week. I'm sure I'll bring it up next week because uh, it's it's a big problem for Buffalo as we get closer and closer to a trade deadline here in Carolina. Things have fallen off for them as well. A one in three a week uh, last week, fast with two goals and two assists. Brett Pesci with one goal and three assists there. Um, but really a, a, another kind of disappointing week for the Carolina Hurricanes. We talked about them last week as being a, a contender to push, uh, push, you know, Tampa for the top of this division. Now, obviously, they're still right in the mix with 29 points tied with Tampa technically, but the Lightning have two in hand. And you've got a Chicago team that's, uh, you know, out, overperforming I, I, what our early projection was for them. Uh, and they could be right in there as well for, for a spot. So Carolina's going to need to figure something out on how to get, you know, better here. The problem is Brett Pesci can't be your leading scorer for a week. That's just not <laughs> a recipe for success. Um, getting production out of him is great. And, and he's certainly capable of it. That's by no means a knock on Pesci, but look at their top five scores from their, their previous five games. You got Brett Pesci, Jasper fast, Martin Nekash, Jake Bean, and Dougie Hamilton. What's the theme here? It's all defensemen scoring, and that's not a good combination here. Uh, Andre Svechnikov, no goals in his last five games. You've got Vinny Trocek has two goals, no assists. Aho doesn't have any goals in those games. Like the top guys, I, I know it sounds like I'm just talking about Boston again, but the top guys uh, on the forward complement here aren't producing, and that's why you're seeing the results that they're getting. Yeah, part of that has to do with uh... – Toivo Teravainen being out of the lineup. He's missed all the, of the recent games, about six in a row by my count. And a part of the re, another part of the reason for their tough go of late is that they faced Tampa in four of their last six games, losing three of them. So it, call it a measuring stick, if you will, but uh, Carolina is clearly second best to the defending champs in this division at best, and, and it showed again last week. So uh, tough luck for them in terms of failing that measuring stick issue. You didn't even mention my buddy Jake Gardner being out of the lineup, AJ. I'm a little <laughs> disappointed about that. But in all seriousness, no, that, take, that takes a little bit of a bite out of their third pairing. Hayden Fleury and Jake Bean forced to pair up there. But uh, I love the top four, Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin and Dougie Hamilton. That's a pretty formidable, formidable group going forward. And uh, in the Nets, Alex Nedeljkovic has uh, taken over a bit of the load over James Reimer. If you're looking at the goalie split there, it's the youngster who's getting more of the reps of late. So keep an eye on that situation. It'll be fluid until they get their other guy, Mrazek, back in the lineup. Over in Calgary, uh, it was a bit of an up-and-down week. They certainly got a good result uh, in their first effort against the Maple Leafs, handing the Toronto Club a rare loss this week. David Riddich played all four games, and a 2-1-1 record goes by uh, by his name. Uh, two wins uh, and nine goals against a reasonable total uh, 
for the four-game slate. Up front, it was Tuchuk and Monaghan handling most of the scoring. Two goals and one assist for Monaghan, two goals, three assists for Tuchuk. And Andrew Mangiapane bears a mention with two goals and one assist. He's really solidified his spot as a top six forward here. And on defense, I've been touting Rasmus Anderson as a guy who uh, you can have some faith in in terms of regular scoring. He has become their... Uh, point leader on the blue line of late with three more assists last week but it's it's uh, news about Jacob Markstrom that has fans a little bit more optimistic uh, about Calgary's fortunes Jacob Markstrom really started the season strongly for these guys AJ and they've missed him big time while he was away but it looks like he could return to action this week and I'll also look at another debut season debut was Oliver Shillington making his first starts on the blue line they expect a lot out of this guy to fit in possibly in a top four role eventually but uh, he'll need a few more reps and a few more productive reps before he gets a look here in that role well the recent performance of of david riddich is is what concerns me about his long-term ability to be a number one guy so markstrom comes up with the injury riddich whether it's a couple relief appearances here or there but basically uh for for five games uh, he puts up, you know, a one-one-in-one record, not great, but a 1.61 goals against average, 0.946 save percentage. So it's like, all right, this guy has, you know, the potentials there. He's he's doing well, but as the number of games consecutive he played started to linger, his last three games, you're looking at one and two, a 4.36 goals against average. Like his numbers, the longer he plays, just get worse and worse. Uh, and that's really a concern for me if you're looking for him to be the long-term guy for them. I just don't think it's there, and, and it hasn't shown it to me, which is why they went out and got a Markstrom to come in uh, and, and maybe stabilize things. I mentioned before that Chicago uh, was chasing down a playoff spot. They went 2-1-1 one, one this week, or I'm sorry, 3-1 this week for, for a really solid week. We have to talk about Patrick Kane gets goal number 400, uh, three goals uh, over the course of the week. You know, you look at the the leaders list. Yes, he's only uh, number uh, 100 on the all-time goal list, but he's ninth among among active players, uh, and that that's a, a number that I think will continue to increase. Um, you know, he's the talk about guys that are ahead of him. You've got Joe Thornton, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, technically still showing up. Patrick Marlowe, like these are guys definitely on the back half of their career. Kovalchuk obviously isn't in the NHL right now. And so uh, Eric Stahl, even another guy he could track down uh, and move up in, among just the active list leaders. So um, really a, 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 this team's success has solely, in my opinion, been based on his performances this year. Uh, yes, they've gotten solid net mining unexpectedly. They've got decent um, production out of, out of other guys in the lineup, but uh, Patrick Kane has been the key cog to this team, in, in my opinion, all season long, and he's going to carry them into a playoff spot uh, or not. I think it's going to be completely on his shoulders, and, and we'll see what he can what he can do with it. You know what? More than uh, all of that, AJ, for me is that this guy stands among the scoring leaders in the NHL, and you got to look at the supporting cast that he's playing with. They've retooled on the fly here. And some impressive youngsters are making uh, their mark too. But make no mistake, at the start of the season, I thought this team was going to be challenged by Detroit for the bottom 
bottom of the standings here. Maybe a race there would ensue, but Chicago is legit for a playoff spot, and it's largely on the shoulders of his efforts. And of course, Kevin Lankinen has emerged as a viable option in Nets. But kudos to Kane for just carrying this team on his shoulders and uh, producing like he did in his heyday. So a remarkable season and a remarkable career to date. Uh, he's a joy to watch. There's no question. The Columbus Blue Jackets, they're not a joy to watch right now, AJ. They're 0-3-1, <laughs> and winless in their last five games. Jonas Corpusel, I can't believe how much this guy's struggling this year. He started or appeared in all those games last week and gave up 11 goals against one of the worst marks on the, on the week for any goalie. Uh, up front, in front of him, at least a couple of the uh, name recognition guys are producing. Ken Atkinson, two goals, one helper. Patrick Laine, enjoying his time of late, also with two goals and one helper. Oliver Bjorkstan with two goals. Seth Jones has been leading the pack from the back end without his longtime partner, Wierenski, though uh, Zach Wierenski did play in three games last week, coming off uh, the injury uh, list himself and assuming a regular workload, so that's good news. But uh, for me, the offense has dried up here in the last few games. Two goals in total over the last three outings is not enough run support for Corvus Hallow, even though he has shown his own struggles. He's uh, uh, been forced into the net on a nightly basis because, of course, Elvis Merz-Lincolns continues to reside on the injury list well i'm gonna disagree with you here paul i i don't think the blame really falls on corpus Allo. you know you look at the base numbers for for his last four games 0.910 save percentage 2.73 goals against average like they're not steel game numbers right they're not like he went out and, and stood on his head and won him a game which you would hope he could do once or twice over that stretch but um, they're not bad numbers by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I agree. I think the offense has dried up and, and I really, I would put more of the blame uh, on that side of the ice than, than anything else here for, for my money in Colorado. It was uh, an inconsistent week uh, at best as they went two and two. Um, they've gotten really uh, poor net mining from Philip Grubauer in his last four outings, one and three, over that stretch, 0.854 save percentage there. Hunter Miska got into one game and, and didn't really perform much better. Uh, his, his save percentage there, 0.889. So uh, they've had to rely on that offense to win them a couple of games, you know, over the last week. Uh, and and it's not really been uh, the, the usual names at the top of the list. Najem Kadri, two goals and three assists. Uh, Miko Rantanen did have one goal and four assists, but... Uh, you know, they've been without Kale McCarr um, recently. They're going to miss a couple games from him. So that certainly hurts their production. Uh, on, on that point, uh, Nathan McKinnon, three points in five games. Again, I, I know it seems like we're holding guys like that to a ridiculous standard. You know, most players, three points in five games is, is a good uh, stretch. But for a guy like uh, Nathan McKinnon, it's, it's not good enough, unfortunately. Uh, and that's why you're seeing them with a two-two and uh, two-and-two record over the last week. AJ, I'm concerned about this team. I thought they were going to be challenging the win at the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues at the top of the standings, but they're having to hold off the likes of the Los Angeles Kings and Arizona Coyotes as it stands for the fourth place in this division. Now they have a couple of games in hand on the Blues, so could close that gap if they go on a bit of a, a win streak. But uh, you're right; they've been hampered by injuries, and uh, that has limited their product productivity over the last few games. We look at, at Dallas, another team that I figured was going to be a contending team in this division. They've also been ra- ravaged by injuries, and that's part of the story in a one and three record. Uh, but uh, the other part is that while they're getting goaltending, their offense too has struggled. C- consider that uh, 
Kudobin played in three games. He won two of them and allowed only seven goals against in, in his recent outings. Uh, Joe Pavelski has been forced to move to right wing on the top line uh, to, to try and get something going. And that means that Rupi Hintz and Jason Dickinson have slotted in as the scoring line centers. That's putting a lot of trust in a couple of youngsters to drive the offense from that key position. Joel Kiviranta is getting more scoring line opportunities and power play time in the last four games as a left winger on the second line as well. So something to look for as another youngster moves up in class. That's all in part and parcel because of uh, injuries like uh, Alexander Radulov, and he's been out for a while. He's expected to return to the lineup sometime in the next week, having been skating with the team in the last little while. But he's been out since February 4th, and uh, a guy who's really the heart and soul uh, of, of this uh, offense the whole group really he brings so much energy to the group as well as scoring ability and leadership they've really missed him i think it's telling that you have pavelski uh, logs you know 550 of power play ice time in their last game uh didn't have a single shot in the whole game uh, i think that's telling about the move uh to the outside for him now certainly i i think he'll bounce you know bounce back in their next game and and can produce uh, at his continued high level. But it speaks a lot to needing more depth down the middle. I think even once you get Radulov back and can move Pavelski back to center, I think that's a position that this team is going to look at uh, at the trade deadline to try and really bolster the middle of the ice. I mean, right now you're looking at Hintz, Dickinson, Faxa, and then Rhett Gardner uh, as their four centers. Uh, that's that's not real deep, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure some of our listeners may not even be familiar with Red Gardner. And so uh, that's a position that I really think they need to look at long and hard uh, heading into the deadline here in Detroit. It was actually a a decent week for, for them. When you consider they went two and two, Sam Gagne got four goals. Uh, I saw recently he had uh, one of the longest stretches, a number of games between hat tricks uh, recently um, for, for any player in, in NHL history. I don't think it was the longest. I think it was like number two on that list, but had, had a hat trick in his first game back from a, a brief injury absence, uh, picked up another goal uh, at the end of February here. So he's got four goals uh, in his last three games. And then uh, Evgeny Spechnikov uh, having a decent run here, two goals and one assist really has been, uh, you know, first games for him this year, they've had him on the taxi squad. Are they going to put him in, put him not? Uh, I think he's made a claim at a roster spot at this point. I don't know why you wouldn't keep him in the lineup uh, at, at uh, moving forward. I know they've got, you know, Dylan Larkin's out, Robbie Fabry's out, Tyler Batuzzi's out. But even once you get these guys back, I just think if you're going to develop for the future, you have to keep a guy like Evgeny Svechnikov in the lineup especially when he's performing at a level where it seems like he's earned that opportunity. Yeah, another guy who's earned more uh, an opportunity for more, more, more reps is Jonathan Bernier, AJ. Three game starts last week, two wins, and a total of seven goals against. He's far outplayed Thomas Grice year-to-date. Grice, for his part, only one win in 12 decisions, whereas Bernier has six wins in nine, nine decisions. So it's clear to me that... Uh, the one guy should be getting more reps than he has so far this season. And uh, I, I look for that uh, to switch up in the next couple of weeks going forward, at least as a bit of a test of my theory. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers went 2-1 uh, and one last week, but they also dropped a, uh, another game last night. So uh, all things are not as positive that, as that 2-1 and one might imply, particularly when you realize that that high-powered offense 
went zero for the last two games in terms of scoring any goals even against the Maple Leafs. In terms of a bright spot, uh, Chason has had some uh, good uh, times up front as a net front present on the power play here. He's noted as a third or fourth line winger, and uh, yet he has been a factor on the top power play, playing with the big guns as that presence in front of the opposing net. So keep an eye on him as a cheap DFS option if and when the Oilers ever score another goal. (laughs) I'll say that. In the last five games uh, before last night's game, in fact, Chason had four points to his ledger, so that just underscores what I'm trying to say. McDavid had a two-goal, one-assist week, uh, low scoring for him, if you will, over the three games they played. Dominic Cahuno continues to be a bright light, and they contributed this offense with two goals. And then Leon Dreisaitl with four helpers. But... uh, Mike Smith suffered uh, his first loss in seven decisions on Saturday against the Maple Leafs, and then he came on and, and shut them out in relief last night. So it tells me that he's got the inside ledge over Koskinen, who's continued to struggle in the nets. He was driven from the goal, in fact, with a three spot against, uh, against him last night in the first period. Uh, the game was a clinic for how to stop number 87 and number 29. If opposing teams are looking to figure that one out, the Leafs really got on top of them in their own zone before they could get on track. And it seems like a recipe to slow down arguably the top two offensive pieces in the league, if you will, in uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid, AJ? Well, I'm going to talk about something for Edmonton that's uh, maybe not an on-ice thing for them right now. It was really interesting to see they claimed Alex Stalock off of waivers yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that speaks to what they might be considering, um, you know, as far as the future goes. Now, Stalock's no spring chicken. He's 33 years of age. Um, But Mike Smith is unrestricted after this year. He'll be, you know, heading into his 39 age season. Miko Koskinen, they've got one more season of him at 4.5 million. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe they're going to figure out a way to move Koskinen, expose him in the, in the draft and hope, uh, you know, hope Seattle could take him something like that to try and get that off the books and and then go out uh, in free agency. I, I, it could be nothing. It could be just depth uh, in the league and, and trying to bolster that that position overall. Um, but it was an interesting move when you consider. I you know at this point it doesn't seem like anybody else is going to be in the mix for for starts with the uh, you know Smith and Koskinen split in time, and we're not aware of any injury to either guy. Uh, it, it was just a surprise decision and, and one to watch for the future. Yeah. Uh, in turn, so, sorry, I was just going to add about Stalock. <laughs> AJ, it, it's he comes to them with, dealing with an upper body injury, but also complications from COVID. So he does come with issues. But I think they're looking to dial back into what he did last year when he emerged as a number one goalie in his previous stop. So maybe they're just fishing for anybody that can uh, do better than the incumbents that they have in place. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. It, it, as I said, a situation to watch. Uh, in Florida, they had a, a real solid week, a 2-1-1 one, one record. Uh, you know, Alexander Barkov, two goals and two assists in their last five games. Frankie Vitrano coming out of nowhere, three goals in his last five games as well. Uh, so they're getting uh, production from, uh, so, you know, Vitrano producing is, is a bonus for them. He's not a guy I would normally count on for a lot of goals. If, if there's something to be concerned about, maybe the fact that jo- Jonathan Huberto just two points in their last five games, but they're getting wins right now. Uh, I think one of the interesting uh, headlines I, I saw recently uh, is reports that Seattle is going to maybe talk to the Panthers about uh, Chris Dreger and whether they can uh, secure his services next year. Maybe they'll try and make a, an actual move rather than just hope they can claim him off off waivers there because obviously 
you know, uh, Bobrovsky has got the, the no movement clause. So he has to be protected by the Panthers. Um, so Dreger will likely be available, but he's also set to be a UFA this summer. And so maybe the, the Seattle thinks uh, they'll trade for him and, and have an early window to try and sign him um, before the, the, you know, it would, wouldn't be until after the season, but between the end of the season and the start of free agency, maybe Seattle tries to get in on Chris Dreger. That's at least the latest reports and, and would certainly be a good move for them getting a netminder who's just 26 years of age and seems to be doing really well at the NHL level. Yeah, no question. He's far outplayed Bobrovsky so far as I continue to bang that drum, AJ. But I'm a little bit concerned about their depth at center. I thought they answered that when they acquired Vinny Hinostrosa before the season started. But he's he's really struggled mightily here and been out of the lineup more than he's been in it. So that means that bottom two centers on the bottom in the bottom of the ledger, three four spots are uh, unknowns, E2 Lusterainen and Yuho Lamico. Aren't you glad I came up with those names? <laughs> <laughs> AJ, but uh, that's just uh, part of the part of the struggles this team was among the contenders in the division but they've started to slide just because they haven't got much secondary scoring uh, going in the roster right now despite the fact that they have really good numbers in the top six uh, there's been no group below them to to help in that regard and to be a contender you need to have that and uh, the los angeles kings are a team that's trying to be uh, remain a contender aj they went two one and one to continue a really surprising start for me and it's again uh, led by the name recognition guys here dustin brown with three more goals to his ledger i thought this guy was washed up two years ago but he certainly proved me wrong and and really been a mainstay among their top six offensively and good for him the captain continues to roll along for this team but it's the team defense that's been improving both as both Quick and Peterson have posted really good numbers in the Nets, uh, and that's in in large part to the commitment that this whole team has made to cutting down on the goals against and, and the chances against their net. Andreas Athanasiu has also chipped in offensively. I've looked for more for him a year, a year to date, but at least he's finally coming back to that level with two, two assists in his last three games played back in a left wing role on a second line. And on the back end, Drew Doughty's having a great start uh, dialing back the clock on his career with 17 points in 20 games played to rank among the scoring leaders among defensemen, and there's nobody in the media that would have predicted that at the beginning of the season, AJ. Oh, absolutely not. And I think it's, you know, I said it last week. I said Los Angeles can, will not really be that good until they get off in the back and they get him back and they, you know, get five points out of, out of that, that uh, with the two wins and the overtime loss. So I think he's really, um, you know, the key cog to this team uh, moving, moving forward. Minnesota, a phenomenal week for them, 4-0, six straight wins overall, largely on the back of Capo Kakinen, uh, as, as Cam Talbot was dealing with an injury. Kakinen, three games, three wins, just seven goals allowed for a .925 save percentage. Talbot got the start last night, picked up another win with a .91 save percentage. So a really good run of goaltending uh, as they continue to perform well. And they're getting offensive production. Krill Kaprasov, three goals, three assists. I think he's doing everything he can to secure his name on the Calder Trophy this year. I would put him as the leading candidate. Uh, Matt Zuccarella has been phenomenal since coming back. Two goals, six assists over, over the last week. Um, so they're getting production from rookies. They're getting production from veterans. And everything seems to be going smoothly for them. I certainly had them as a fringe playoff team. Uh, heading into the year right now they're sitting 
and third behind St. Louis with three games in hand against the Blues. So uh, it wouldn't be that far to see them move up in the second. Could even challenge the Golden Knights at this point for, for the top spot. We'll have to see if the goaltending holds up because I think that's the key uh, for them. We talked about it early in the season, more focused on Cam Talbot. Could he turn back the clock to the goalie that played 73 games for the Edmonton Oilers a couple years ago? Uh, and so far he's done well, but as I said, it's been the rookie youngster who's been performing in, in Kakonin of late. No question. Three wins and three starts last week, a total of seven goals against this team. Had won six straight before losing last night's game in overtime against the Vegas Knights. And uh, really it's the offense that's running things here. Uh, Matt Zuccarello continues to be a key. Two goals and six assists. For me, he's a very good DFS option if you're looking to fill out a roster with a guy who might not be the focus of too many players that you're up against. I, I think this guy's been one of the better playmaking winners in the league since he came in the NHL, and he's continued to rep- reprise that role now that he's back and healthy for Minnesota. Over in Montreal, things are really... Uh, in a total turmoil here. This team is winless in its last five. There was a coaching change uh, last week as Dominic Ducharme and Alex Burroughs come in to take over uh, the the roles there at, as a coach and assistant. This team is 2-5-3 and three in their last 10 after a 7-1-2 and two start. That's how things have really flipped for the, the Habs. Yoel Armia is back in the lineup uh, the last few games and uh, contributing offensively. He's got two goals and one assist. Uh, Shea Weber had a two-goal game last week uh, uh, Dano at center nine shots on goal though in his last six games played this guy's a top six center AJ and not much productivity there at all on the season that's just an indicator indicator Bader barely one and a half shots uh, a game uh, on his ledger this season and Nick Suzuki after a nice start has only seven shots on goal in his last six games played that's the offense that's being led uh, by by a couple of pop guns so far in the last couple of weeks is all I can say about them and a, a tough blow as, as their physical leader Josh Anderson this guy's one of the more rugged wingers in the NHL he missed the last game and could miss up to another week with a with a lower body injury and that's a big concern for me because he's emerge as a very key part of this team's makeup. Uh, they're also trying to get a, a little bit more of Jonathan Drouin. They moved him up to left wing on the second line. He's got one goal and one assist in his last three games played, seeing a lot more action and uh, hoping to put his dynamic skills to, on display. Well, I, you know, I, I'm going to take this opportunity. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, uh, heading into next season. But the, the Habs, in my opinion, the uh, requirement that coaches be able to speak French uh, I think really sets them up poorly in terms of the overall uh, candidate pool. You know, they just fired Claude Julien, who is on his second stint. And I must stress on his second stint of replacing Michel Therrien. They replaced <laughs> Therrien twice with Claude Julien. Like, because they just have a, such a limited pool because of this insistence that I understand. I get the the... Uh, there's French media, there's French speakers. Like I understand, but in this day and age, we can't have a, a, a coach for the Habs who only speaks English and, and translate it. Like we don't have tools to translate this or something. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, they, they, again, the, the interim Dominic uh, Ducharme is, is a guy who is from that area. Obviously another, you know, French speaking head coach for them. And he may, he may turn out to be the greatest coach in the history of the Montreal Canadiens. I have no idea. I, I admittedly don't know a lot about him or his, his background. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is they continue to limit themselves in terms of the coaching pool because of this requirement. And I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. If you want to win a Stanley cup for the first time since 1993, uh, you know, we, they, the Habs live in the past, you know, Oh, they have the most Stanley cups of any team uh, ever, you know, by a mile. Well, yeah, when there's six, 10 teams in the league, of course they're going to win a whole bunch of them, you know? And, and I just, I don't get it. If you want to get out of this slump and get back to winning games, you need to expand your coaching pool. It's just that simple, in my opinion. All right. There's no there's uh, no truth to rumor that I sent J, uh, AJ that note to, to read out. <laughs> and, and please send your comments or questions on that rant to AJ Scholes 24 That's his Twitter handle. I, I thought that was pretty good, partner. What about what's happening in New Jersey? Well, for the Devils, it was a one in three week. You know, that's about what we expect from New Jersey this year. It's it's a little bit too soon for them to have any level of success. in in my opinion, at least uh, Blackwood, four games, just one win, 13 goals allowed. Really, you know, 13 goals allowed in four games is not great. It's not terrible. Uh, Pavel Zaka, two goals, four assists. Nico Heischer uh, named the captain, two goals and one assist for them. So they're, they're getting uh, okay numbers from, from the guys there. This team just isn't deep enough. It's not, um, you know, there's not enough experience for the younger guys. I, I think there's reasons to be optimistic for New Jersey. And there's certainly in terms of DFS, a player, a few players you can pick out here or there, depending on the matchup. But for the most part, for me, this is a team you stay away from moving forward. Um, and, and, but you know, there, if you're a fan of the devils, there, it's, there's reasons for optimism. It's just not going to be this year. Well, at least they can say that they're developing a goalie in Mackenzie Blackwood. I, thought, I like the fact that they're leaning on him a little bit more. And, and things have to be looking up now that, that uh, Nico Heischer is back in the, in the lineup here. They, they missed him in the early part of the season. And he's scoring a little more regularly. And they're getting something out of Pavel Zaka. So there are some youngsters who are producing, AJ. But uh, the light on the end of the t- at the end of the summer is an oncoming train in terms of their playoff hopes this year. Uh, better things down the road for this club, I would say. In Nashville, things are looking better than they I thought they would this season on the strength of a three and one record uh, last week they continue to be a factor in this divi- their division Eli Tolvin in has factored in offensively another youngster who's kind of making the grade in a nice way two goals and one helper for him Eric Halla chipped in a couple of goals Matthias Ekholm maybe has one of the better contracts for value hits in the NHL in terms of top defensemen in the league who are not being paid much. Uh, he's got two goals to his ledger. And, of course, the linchpin of their offense from the back end, Roman Yossi continues to do Roman Yossi things with five helpers himself. Philip Forsberg, a goal and three assists. It's the name recognition guys here that are driving things. But interesting for me to see uh, Grandland being slotted in as the number one center here. They've tired of what we've been see- saying for weeks, uh, that they're not getting anything out of that top six, uh, four centers. Johansson and, and Duchesne. Uh, Johansson returned to the lineup as the center uh, on the third line. He's got one assist to show for the last four games played. That's not. That's kind of indicative of of lack of productivity they're getting from guys that are paying. A, they're paying a lot of money in the middle of the ice. Another bright spot, though. Uh, we kind of rained on Pekka Rinne, thinking maybe his best days are behind him. But he's appeared in in his last five games a total of only ten goals against. That's very close to his best numbers at, at peak performance. So it's nice to see that the the old man still has some life left in him and uh, will challenge UC Saros for playing time if he continues that that performance. I think that's the best thing for them. I, I, I think if they're if they're pushing uh, him for 
Um, if those two guys are competing for, for playing time, I, I think that's ultimately going to be uh, the best uh, you know, possible thing in terms of, of long-term success for them this, this year and, and maybe a, a year or two beyond. Yeah, you mentioned Johansson's continued struggles. You know, you, you get a guy back from the IR after you know, uh, seven games on the sideline hoping to provide a little pop to your offense. Uh, there wasn't anything there from him. He's still looking for that first goal of the year, which is, is crazy to think. I mean, you look at his last several seasons, uh, talk about consistency, 14 goals, 14 goals, 15 goals, 14 goals, 14 goals. There's not going to be 14 goals this year at this pace. That's for, for darn sure. Um, and, and they need to get at least something out of him at, at some point here. Uh, you know, if, if, if they're going to continue to succeed, I know we, we talked about all the good here, um, but Ryan Johansson struggling this, this long is, is not going to set them up for success. in in my opinion, uh, the New York Islanders uh, had a really strong week and, and there's some of the same guys we've been talking about. They went three Oh and one. Uh, so no regulation losses for them. And the guy I touted as the best third line center in the league, Jean Gabriel Pajot puts up another three goals over that stretch. Matthew Barzell, two and uh, two goals, one assist. Anders Lee, two and two for him. Uh, one player, maybe not uh, talked about a lot. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, two goals, three assists. So a really strong week from a lot of guys. They're very healthy. Their only injury uh, concern right now uh, really is Cal Clutterbuck, who at this point in his career is like a fourth line plugger. And they've got plenty of those running around in Matt Martin, Casey Sezikas, and Leo Komarov. So uh, he's not really a, a needed piece per se. So no injuries, uh, an offense that is contributing and decent net minding along the way. This is a hard team to beat right now. And, and they're certainly going to make a run uh, at, at the top of this division, which I think we, you know, at least me thought was probably a pretty lock for, you know, Boston, Washington at top uh, Islanders, Flyers and Penguins competing for the next spots. But uh, New York is uh, trying to throw a wrench in that plan, that's for sure. Yeah, and another guy who deserves a mention, AJ, is Nick Letty. He's got five assists to his name on the last, in the last week of games over that four-game stretch and continuing a really nice stretch of play for him where he's been very productive offensively as well as mining his own store in the back end. So keep an eye on him, another low DFS value play. Uh, he's resembling the guy who was their leading uh, leading. Uh, active defenseman in terms of offensive production a couple of years ago but kind of waned in that regard but seems to be rediscovering that aspect of his game this season so worthwhile take a look at him in DFS play going forward the New York Rangers a team that's struggling without Artemi Panarin and his troubles with the issue with the Russian probe into his his life has upset this team's offense uh, and uh, they only went one and two last week. Chris Kreider, maybe the only guy that's bucking that trend with four goals and one helper. Colin Blackwell's been an interesting productivity, productive, productive piece, uh, trying to make his way in as a top six surprise con- contributor with two goals and one helper. Uh, Ryan Lindgren leading the defense along with Fox, three goals, three assists for each of those guys. So they're getting some productivity from the back end uh, in support of 
of uh, the young offense they've got in place. And the youngsters in net are continuing to hold their own. Uh, it's interesting for me to note that Shesterkin has allowed two goals or less in seven of his last nine starts. So he's lo- looking really sharp in his uh, first trip around the league uh, of, of any consequence. Alexi Lafreniere is now uh, locked in as left wing on the top line. He has three points in his last four games after a very tough start getting his feet wet. I mentioned Colin Blackwell. He's now playing right wing minutes on the second line with five points in his last six games played overall. So it's not just the three that he picked up last week. He's been productive for a while and locked into a scoring line role here too. Yeah, both those guys taking advantage of, of openings in, in the top six. You know, Panarin's out, so uh, Lafreniere uh, moves up. And Capo Caco is uh, one of the, the couple of guys still on the COVID list right now. Uh, and Blackwell slides into a bigger role because of that. They are going to potentially get uh, a player back here in Philip Cheeto, which will really help their center depth. I think he's uh, probably their best option for, for third-line center here. He's likely to be back for their next game, officially a game-time decision tonight. But, uh, you know, Coach David Quinn said trending in the right direction, and that's only going to help bolster this. They do have an injury to Anthony Boteto, which for them means Jack Johnson could get more play time, which uh, as Penguins fans like myself will tell you, that's not good news to have more minutes (laughs) for Jack Johnson. Uh, Speaking of good news, uh, Ottawa Senators 2-1 and last week. Uh, with some decent outings from Matt Murray, three games, two wins, nine goals allowed over that stretch. And it's not just Murray uh, putting together some good performances. They've got a couple of guys producing offensively as well. Drake Batherson, three goals, two helpers uh, to Chuck with three goals, white three goals, one assist. So um, plenty of guys stepping up for them right now uh, and really performing better than expected. Now, does that mean I expect the Ottawa senators to be a playoff team? Certainly not uh, in the Canadian division, even though there's one less team that they have to get past. You know, everything's easier for Canada this year. Oh, listen to um, this. (laughs) (laughs) I I certainly don't see them challenging uh, for for the fourth spot, although Montreal's recent struggles um, could open up a, a potential spot. But I would expect Calgary or Vancouver to be more likely to take that fourth spot than Ottawa at this point. Yeah, there's a pretty critical game tonight. Ottawa and Montreal clash, and uh, that'll be a subject when we discuss the DFS options in our segment later on in today's show, AJ. But I'm encouraged by the way that Drake Batherson has has, uh, come to the forefront here. He was a top scorer in junior did very well at the AHL. Wondered if it translated to the NHL. Well, it certainly has. He's found the groove with five points last week, adding to the early success that he's he's shown and uh, joining the likes of Colin White and Branstrom uh, to help in terms of driving that offense. And, of course, Tim Stutzley continues to pile up some points back end, getting a lot of uh, support from Thomas Shabbat, leading the, leading the gray as the power play linchpin. Five helpers. This guy logs almost half of the ice time of any game that this team plays. I'm looking forward to that tilt tonight as a as a bipartisan viewer, I'll say, uh, looking forward <laughs> to seeing how that turns out. Over in Philadelphia, this is a team that must be driving you crazy, AJ, as the cross-state rivals of your favorite team went 3-0 and last week, back-to-back shutout wins over the Buffalo Sabres. That's the first time that's happened in NHL history, uh, I'm told. It was a feat that was re- replicated by the Maple Leafs one night later. So uh, uh, something that didn't happen through history, back-to-back shutouts against the same opponent, it's happened now twice in 
this in the span of uh, 48 hours. Uh, JVR continues to be the linchpin on the offense. This guy has parlayed limited ice time, 14, 15 minutes a game, into regular scoring and uh, really productive in terms of uh, points per 60 minutes. One of the league leaders, uh, if you will, with another four, four points to his coffers. Sh- uh, Sean Couturier, two goals and two assists. He's getting uh, back into the groove uh, with regular ice time after his early season injury issues. Shane Gostisbehere also finding uh, offense with two goals and one helper. I wonder if this guy can resemble anything that, like him, his former self as one of the league's top scoring defensemen. That would really be a bonanza for the Flyers. Claude Giroux, uh, doing Claude Giroux things last week, uh, three assists for him. Joel, Fer- Joel Farabee, three assists, is a lock now as a top six forward here uh, in the last little while. And uh, again, a very good DFS option because he tends to be underpriced compared to some of it, even some of his teammates here. And I wonder, have, uh, has Carter Hart snapped out of his recent funk, getting one of those shutouts over Buffalo? That would be a real positive thing for the Flyers too. So a lot of good and positive news. Uh, the one troubling thing for me, though, is that uh, Nolan Patrick has been shifted to the wing and uh, is pointless in his last 11 games played. I want to see this guy have some success, AJ, because he's really had uh, a tough time with injury issues, concussion issues that have lingered for the last couple of years after he was drafted so high and being a top prospect for this team. He's really fallen on some hard times with uh, the the physical uh, limitations that have been imposed. Well, yeah, I mean, I certainly feel bad from him from that standpoint, but you know, you look at his numbers in his, in his first two seasons here, 30 points and 31 points. I mean, this isn't, this isn't a guy that should have been, if you were redrafting 2017, you're not taking him second overall. And I I think that's just where he is as a player. I'm not surprised by the uh, extended slump here. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad he's playing, but uh, I, I just think he's not, necessarily a top six uh contributor for them and i would expect you know travis connect is a game time decision tonight and if he plays there's no reason to move Fairby off the top you know top line here so i put connect on that second line with with kevin hayes and drop nolan patrick down uh to you know either third line center um but if you don't want to drop scott lawton down then then maybe even patrick on the fourth line because uh, i just don't think he's doing uh, what you want out of him. And, and certainly Travis Konechny is a, a top six player for them. Speaking of the crosstown rival Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, it was an inconsistent week last week, two and two. Chris Letang leading the offense here with two goals and three assists. Jake Gensel, two goals and two assists as well. Uh, look, the, the struggles for Evgeny Malkin continue here, uh, both uh, on both ends of the ice for him. Uh, and you have to wonder if and when He's going to turn things around. Sidney Crosby uh, showing some uncharacteristic, uh, you know, anger the other night, uh, breaking his stick after, uh, you know, after a goal allowed. He's got just three points in their last four games. So uh, things are are not looking great for the Penguins extending uh, the current NHL leading uh, playoff streak. They're going to need to play some really top hockey. And unfortunately for them, Uh, Their next three games are against the aforementioned Flyers. They're going to play three in a row against Philadelphia. Now they might get a boost here because they're, they're playing a lot of home games here in March and they just got permission to have a limited number of fans in the stadium. I mean, I'm talking 2,500 fans in the stadium. That's not a lot, but when you're only playing, I I think it's four away games in the month of March, the rest of them are all coming at home. Having that little boost maybe will be, uh, enough to get a guy 
like Evgeny Malkin going. If there's one bright spot for them, it's that Tristan Jari seems to have turned things around and Casey DeSmith continues to be on top of his game. You know, despite the, the loss, the most recent outing for him was a two nothing loss. I mean, hard to blame your backup goaltender when he only gives up two goals. Uh, if the offense isn't there, that's not really his problem, in, in my opinion. Yeah, one of the issues that they have is, uh, and, I can, and I'm just going to say, I told you so, uh, Kapanen, Kasperi Kapanen on Sidney Crosby's wing has 10 points in 17 games. That's simply not good enough. That's third-line numbers, and that's what he was in Toronto, AJ. I told you so. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, over in San Jose, this is a team that, boy, they're really struggling, and, and we kind of anticipated this. They went 0-2 last week. Uh, 13 goals against in those two games too so that's a telling stat uh, on the offense they're led by familiar names Couture, Kane, Meyer they're all doing what they're do- supposed to do getting a couple of goals each Kevin LeBanc has proved to be a pretty good DFS value play here as well right wing on the top line with seven points in his last five games played kind of a surprise contribution that I didn't see coming but we'll keep an eye on it going forward and even though he scored his first goal of the season last night I would still wouldn't pick Eric Carlson in DFS with AJ's money folks he's had a dreadful <laughs> season offensively and I don't expect much from uh, from him going forward it just seems like his best days are long behind him and I need I need to show him to show me uh, much more than he has uh, so far this season to even consider him going forward the combination of Jones and Dubnik in the Nets they've allowed three or more goals in 12 of the 14 games played uh, the last 14 games played so when this team suits it up I say take the over <laughs> and uh, in terms of one other bright uh, the one bright light on among this offense that we didn't see coming is Rudy Balsers and with four points in his last six games played he's getting a shot at left wing on the second line that's largely because uh, Thomas Hurtle will miss the next couple of weeks in COVID protocol and he's such a vital piece to this team that's a big blow for the sharks look if you don't want to spend up on your netminder you could consider uh using jones or dubnik on the heels of the fact that they're going to face a lot of rubber this team is giving up a ton of shots per game uh and and so you know they they will get points from shots allowed you look at it this season 32.4 that's third highest in the league so uh, maybe an opportunity there, depending on who they're playing. You know, if they're if they're playing, uh, you know, maybe I certainly wouldn't uh, put them out there against Vegas. But if they're playing Anaheim or Arizona, where one of these guys can maybe steal a win, uh, facing you know thirty plus shots, that's that's certainly not a bad DFS strategy. Even if they allow one or two on you, um, it's high risk, high reward because they're not going to cost you as much as some of the top net miners in the league. Speaking of guys who normally would cost you a bunch, uh, Jordan Bennington and the St. Louis Blues had a difficult week, one and two last week. You look at Bennington's last three outings, uh, 0-2 record over that stretch, .884 save percentage. Meanwhile, the youngster, Billy Huso, two wins in his two appearances, .889 save percentage for him. So um, I don't think this is the start of a goalie controversy. Let's get that out of the way first. Um, Jordan Bennington is their number one, but obviously something is not working well for them right now. I think probably the bigger concern on top of that, because I would expect him to write the ship here eventually, is the fact that both Tory Krug and Mike Hoffman have one assist in their last four games. No goals. Uh, like I said, combined the two of them for two assists. That's a big concern for the guy who's supposed to be driving your offense in, 
from the back end in Tory Krug and a guy you expect to be putting up goals at least every other night, if almost every night, in Mike Hoffman. Yeah, there's a lot of stress on this team, though, because of a lengthy injury list, the likes of which other teams aren't dealing with. Consider that Colton Pareko is out on the back end along with Carl Gunnarsson. Of course, Tarasenko out for the season. Tyler Bozak, Jaden Schwartz, even Barbashev, all missing from the regular duty. So that puts a lot of stress on guys who aren't normally getting the type of minutes they're, they're getting up late. So St. Louis is just trying to tread water to get some of them back. One team that's not treading water, though, AJ, is the defending champs. They went 4-0, and and it's a lot, a lot of that is due to the support staff that they have scoring goals for them. Consider that uh, Goudreau got two goals and assists. Andre Palat, two goals and one helper. Uh, Sergachev uh, is now playing with Victor Hedman. He's got four points in his last week. Of course, Hedman and Stamkos doing their, their thing with four points each as well. Behind them all, they still have a, who, I, uh, who I think is the best goalie skills-wise in the NHL, and that's Vasilevsky. Three game starts, three wins, and only two goals against. That's remarkable numbers. The defending champs are looking really good. I mentioned Sergachev play, getting playing time with Hedman. That's just a testament to his development as a young pro, and he might uh, be uh, among the leading scorers among defensemen for years to come going forward if he reaches the ceiling that I expect. But isn't it curious that if you look at the depth chart, AJ, one Tyler Johnson now listed at right wing on the number one line. I remember at the beginning of the season when he was put on waivers before the season started and nobody touched this guy. Well, I'm I'm a pump the brakes on Tyler Johnson right now. And and if you're looking to use him in DFS, I I get the top line assignment is is intriguing. You're going to look at the fact that he had two assists in their last game. But look a little bit deeper in their last five games, one shot on goal over five games, despite averaging uh, almost two minutes of ice time on the power play over that stretch. You mentioned the top line assignment. Uh, I would caution you against that again. Uh, dive into the numbers a little bit more. Yes. Two assists against Dallas total ice time in that game. Nine Oh nine. Uh, less than 10 minutes in the game. So there's something uh, not quite right. Maybe that's why they have him in that top spot. They're hoping to get him going. Um, but I would not touch him right now uh, because there are some concerning trends uh, on, on, his, uh, on his stat sheet there. I'll briefly talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, who went 2-1 and one last week. We've talked at nauseum about the big win last night. Uh, Nylander over the last week, three goals. Uh, They have had Austin Matthews, Freddie Anderson, both dealing with injuries, which normally would be a concern, especially Jack Campbell is also picked up an injury yet. Somehow they got a win with Michael Hutchinson, actually two wins in his last two outings, which, uh, you know, is good news for the Maple Leafs uh, and, and shocking to me with how bad Michael Hutchinson has been over stretches of his career. Um, This team is winning without Austin Matthews and that says a lot and Paul I'll leave it to you to say a little bit more well in seasons past with Freddie Anderson sidelined it would be a a big SOS over the city of Toronto but this year the goalies uh, that you mentioned Campbell and Tutchison have combined for six wins in seven starts and uh, that's as much a testament to their play as it is to the team's commitment to defense they're among the league's stingiest team defenses which is something I have not said in a long time maybe in my lifetime AJ this team has not been a contender for the Vezina Trophy since uh, the 60s if you will uh, pretty much and so that's a telling change in the 
way this team is set up. And one thing that really has me excited of late is the play of a third line, with which features Pierre Engvall, Ilya Mikhaev, and Zach Hyman moved down from a top six role. They're not scoring a ton, but they're scoring, chipping in. But I love the way that this team pursues the puck and puts pressure on the opposition. They were tasked with limiting some of the high-octane players in Edmonton's roster and did a masterful job of that. Also, kudos for John Tavares, who went head-to-head with Connor McDavid. People have been maligning Tavares' lack of goal scoring, but boy, did he shut down the league's premier center over the last two nights in a textbook display of how you play the game at both ends of the ring because they did generate more offense than their counterparts as well. It doesn't hurt to have a guy like Mitch Marner on your wing, though, and, and uh, Tavares had some of his best successes leaf with Marner on that side but Willie Nylander finding the range is a big development here that's helped all this stuff has helped them weather the storm of missing not only Austin Matthews but when Wayne Simmons went down AJ I thought this guy was a key element to the way the team was playing they've played even better since he was missing I can't wait for him to get back in the lineup and see what this team looks like with a full and healthy roster they haven't had that for for much of the season and yet there they are the class of the NHL <laughs> I had to get that in. Can we cut that tape and put it on the sizzle list at the end of the season? <laughs> Uh, the Vancouver Canucks on the flip side, 0-2 and they're win- last week, and they're winless in their last four overall. This team will not make the playoffs, folks, and could, in fact, finish last in the North. That's my hot take of the day. Uh, how thin are they at forward? Consider that Tanner Pearson has one point in his last 10 games, still listed as a top-six left winger. Jake Furtanen similarly cast, even though he's being shopped around and has exactly one point in his 19 games played. At least Elias Pettersson is producing, as uh, fans have hope with six points in his last six games played they want him to be better than a point per game per game but this is a decent start but the story the story is told from front to back by the following information thatcher denko 3.28 goals against Braden holtby 3.51 that's a whole bigger issue and one that's going to drag this team out of a playoff spot this year unless it gets changed well and it certainly doesn't help that you've got louis erickson has currently earned $6 million per assist uh, this season. The one assist from him. Uh, I, I'm really surprised that we're seeing a, a, a bit of a, a dip, maybe, uh, from uh, at least to start the season from Elias Patterson. Now, of late, he seems to have turned it on. He's got six points in his last four games, so maybe that's an in- indication of better times ahead. They did get a big win over Winnipeg last night, a 4-0 shutout victory. So maybe Thatcher Demko finding something in his game as well. Um, But I agree with you. I think uh, the playoffs are are an unlikely uh, scenario for them. Again, they're only three games out of it, uh, but the Habs have five games in hand uh, against them. So even the struggling Habs could pick up a point or two over that stretch, and that will just cement Vancouver uh, as outside of the top four here. Uh, one team that is not struggling for, for wins at this point is the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they put up a 2-0 a week. Alex Tuck, two goals. Uh, Carlson, two goals and two assists for them. They had a, a bit of a shootout last night, but they got the win there as well. Uh, they still are without Robin Leonard, so they've been re- relying uh, very heavily on Mark Andre Fleury, uh, I, you know, maybe you could be concerned about that game last night. Four goals allowed on 30 shots for him, um, but continuing to roll overall for them, more wins and losses, and putting up decent numbers. I think as long as the offense is clicking, uh, 
uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will do what they need to stay in the mix. What happens when Leonard comes back remains to be seen. They were doing a pretty even split prior to that. Uh, Leonard's numbers, I think, in the past are enough to warrant that kind of role. But do you ice a hot goalie like Marc-Andre Fleury right now by sitting him? I, I don't know that that's the answer, though they've benefited by not having a lot of back-to-backs of late. You know, during uh, Fleury's kind of stretch of games here, they've had one back-to-back uh, in their last nine games, and he played in both of them. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to continue. And so if they don't have Leonard, they might have to turn to Oscar Dansk for a game or two here. And that's not exactly a recipe for success, in my opinion. Real positive development for me continues to be the growth in uh, the young centers that they've introduced us to this season. Cody Glass and Chandler Stevenson are vying for bigger minutes and uh, challenging Willie Carlson even for top line minutes in the overall structure here from time to time. But they have to be pleased with the development of the, these youngsters in the middle because they're loaded on the wings, at least on the top two scoring lines, and then some. So it's nice to see the development in the middle of the ice. This team uh, looks on paper to me to be one without weaknesses, and their recent production and uh, production on the season to date is just a testament to that fact. The Washington Capitals, another team that uh, figures to be among the cream of the crop in the NHL, Kuznetsov has missed the last two games with an upper body injury. That's a bit of a blow to the top six, but consider that Lars Eller has picked up the pace at center, continuing his recent hot streak where he's picked up nine points in his last ten games played to solidify the middle of the ice here. Justin Schultz, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'll mention AJ, has had a nice start to his season this this year. Nine points in 17 games played. That's as opposed to 12 points in 46 last season. He's also a plus nine this year as opposed to a minus 13. So a complete flip in terms of what might have been expected from him as a very productive defenseman in the Washington mix. Well, and they continue to use Connor Sherry in a, a top six role, which is uh, a little bit surprising to me. Um, you know, his, his numbers over the last week are fine. Uh, one goal and one assist, um, but certainly not a standout performance that, that in my mind should have him on the top line. But I will say um, maybe their, their wing depth here is a little suspect. If, if I'm being totally honest, if I'm looking for something, you know, on the left wing side, I like what they have. Obviously, Ovechkin. Um, but then you talk about Jacob Vrana, Richard Panic, uh, Carl Haglin on the fourth line. That's a pretty good left side of the ice. On the right-hand side, you know, you've got Tom Wilson, but then it's Connor Sherry, Daniel Sprong, uh, Garnet Hathaway. It's a little thin. So, uh, And some of that comes from the Kuznetsov injury. They've moved TJ Oshie into the middle. Uh, so obviously getting Kuznetsov back will shuffle things around in, on the right wing. But don't be surprised to see them maybe looking for some right wing help uh, at the deadline to kind of bolster what I would say is maybe their weakest position on the team right now. Our last team, uh, as we look around the league is the Winnipeg Jets who went two and zero last week, had one four straight overall until last night's loss. Uh, they're getting uh, production out of Kyle Connor, two goals, one assist, Andrew Kopp with three helpers over that stretch. But most of this team's success continues to come from the netminder. Two, two games, two wins, four goals allowed. Not much more you can ask for from him over, over that stretch. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been, uh, you know, started out strong, no points in his last two games. So consistency, kind of the biggest issue, in my opinion, uh, here. And I think that's probably part of the reason why uh, they were willing to move him 
the Blue Jackets, that is, is the kind of lack of consistency from, from PLD. Yeah, well, they suffered a bit of an injury last week on the back end. Tucker Pullman missing the last three games with upper body hurt. Expected to miss a little bit more time on the IR. That could challenge the depth here, but they have to love what they're getting out of Neil Pionk and Josh Morrissey to lead the scoring from the back end. And really, I love the top two forward lines here. Paul Stastny fitting in very nicely. I thought Luke, Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to be a guy that would take second line minutes at center, but Stastny's done an admirable job of late to hold on to that role. I'd like to see a little more more offense out of him though only 11 points in 21 games to date still well overall i look at the winnipeg jets as the only team that the leafs really need to fear even a little bit in this division going forward the teams have only met once the leafs winning that game but uh they'll have nine games with them uh, before nine more games before the season's over and that's going to have a lot to say about who finishes first and second in this division aj so those are our thoughts on the 31 teams and uh, that wraps up this portion of our look around the league thanks for listening to podcast with statsman and aj rotowire's signature fantasy hockey podcast with the support of our sponsor owner's box please remember to send your comments or questions particularly on that montreal canadians rant to uh, aj at aj schultz 24 and you can follow me paul bruno the statsman at statsman 22 don't forget you can catch this pod on youtube at rotowire hockey as always we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research stay tuned for our dfs segment where we help you win money on FanDuel DraftKings. So hang on there, folks. We'll be back to you in a sec. Hey, DFS fans, we haven't forgotten about you. AJ Schultz and I, Paul Bruno, the Statsman, are back with your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of the t- tonight's schedule. A whole host of games on the board, AJ. You're going to take us through your best DraftKings picks, and I'll do the FanDuel story. Why don't you let us know who looks good to you on the DraftKings and why? Well, I'll start with the fact that I'm going to go heavily on uh, the Rangers tonight. I think, you know, they're a team that's flying a bit under the radar uh, because they're not necessarily a playoff team in a tough division, uh, but they're minus 150 favorites, according to, to DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, uh, as they're going up against the Sabres tonight, who have been uh, a pretty struggling team. So I have a heavy dose of the Rangers tonight, and that starts at the top with the guy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at, you know, uh, anytime goal scoring odds. So a player most likely to score a goal at any point in the game and across the entire slate tonight, the best, uh, the lowest odds or best odds are Mika's have been a jet at one twenty five to score a goal. So I'm definitely going to have him in at center 6,500. I pair him up as, as terms of the center complement with Vincent Trocek, uh, Carolina facing Nashville tonight, 6,300 for Trocek. He's been a pretty decent, consistent producer. The rest of my Rangers uh, come in the form of that first line in Pavel Buchnevich at 5,400, Alexis Lafreniere at 3,400. And I'll just dive into the rest of it uh, from the Rangers. I'll use uh, Keandre Miller, 3,500. He gets some power play minutes, not with the top unit. Adam Fox tapes that, that spot, but 3,500 is a discounted rate for a defenseman seeing power play time. And I'll go all the way through to Igor Shesterkin in net 7,900. I round out the rest of the lineups. My other, uh, my other winger, Andrei Svechnikov for the Carolina Hurricanes. His price is dipped to just 5,900 because he hasn't really been performing at peak levels. Um, but it, this is a capable player who I expect can get out of his slump sooner rather than later. On defense, I'm going to try and ride the hot hand and use Chris Letang against the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. for him. 
really, again, he's, he's been red hot of late. Uh, and I'm hoping that that will continue my utility spot. I'll go with the other side of the ice and that's Jacob Borisak for the flyers. 5,100. Uh, this is a team that's been almost unstoppable of late and they could get a boost to their top six here with Travis Konechny, a game time decision. Uh, so that's how I build out my lineup. Again, a heavy dose of the Rangers tonight based on the fact that they are pretty significant favorites. They're not the biggest favorite tonight. That honor falls uh, to the Montreal Canadiens who are minus 265 to beat the Senators tonight. But at minus 150, the Rangers heavily favored. And so they're factoring in significantly in my DraftKings lineup. And AJ, for those fans who listen to our main pod, part of the podcast, they're knowing I'm, I'm a big Leaf booster, and the only thing hotter than Maple Leafs has been my performance in FanDuel. I've won my last five outings, so if you're laying money on what I'm talking about, as AJ did last week, you'll wind up in the winner's circle more often than not. I'm, I'm happy to say I'm on, I'm on fire right now. I hope that continues. Though tonight, I must admit, I'm going with a bit of a contrarian play to uh, what I might usually do. I'm looking heavily into the Carolina roster. They're on the second of back-to-backs, but I think they have a really soft touch tonight against Nashville on the, ro- the road. Uh, so I've got three other players in my mix, uh, as along with a couple other players that make maybe more sense intuitively. So I'm starting it off with Sebastian Ajo at center. He's a guy that drives this offense as the, the number one pivot on this team and one of the more scoring, potent scoring lines in the NHL night in, night out. And I expect that he might be even more of a threat here tonight with uh, any power play advantages that they get against a, a weak Nashville opponent. Braden Point is my other uh, top pivot. He's having another fantastic year as a top guy at center for Tampa. They get a uh, disheveled Dallas roster as their opponent tonight. So two road centers uh, atop my list. I switch up to a team that's at home tonight in Columbus, and I got a couple of their guys in my roster tonight as well. Patrick Line has been on a really nice streak since he, he's donned Columbus colors, and I expect him to continue that that against uh, a lesser foe in Detroit that comes calling. I continue with the Carolina theme. Martin Netscatch, a depth forward for Carolina, who's scoring uh, quite consistently despite his $4,200 price tag. I'll take his points per game average in FanDuel play, which is north of 10 points a night. He's my low-end option to afford me to spend money elsewhere. I went cheap on the defense, AJ, but I picked up a couple of guys who are scoring regularly for their respective teams and playing big minutes, and I like their matchups tonight. I got Brett Pesci in Nashville to complete my Carolina stack, and I've got Nick Letty, who I've talked about about rediscovering his offensive game facing uh, an overwhelmed New Jersey squad. Uh, you panned them pretty good in your overall review of the Devils in our main broadcast. Ken Atkinson is the other Columbus Blue Jacket forward that I think is worth a pick tonight. He's playing on the on the same line as Patrick Laine, so I'm hoping that they have a big, good time together in a game that could be points tonight against a visiting Detroit team. I also find a way to get Andre Palat into my lineup for Tampa, so I've got two-thirds of their top line in the mix. Palat comes in at only $1,500. I think that's a bargain when you get to play with the likes of Stankos and Point. In the Nets, a big game for Montreal tonight. AJ Ottawa comes a calling on their second of back-to-backs. You mentioned the lopsided line. I've got Carey Price priced in at $7,800. That's much lower than he would normally command. He's been struggling, but the chips are on the table for this club, and he needs to come come up big for them tonight, and I think he will. So that's the way my team lines up. And uh, I wonder, are you going to play my roster again? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, last week I used it, you know, I obviously don't have too much faith in you, Paul. I only use it in the nickel lineup. Um, but uh, I forgot. I honestly, 
I know some of our DFS listeners can probably relate to this. I forgot to go back and check FanDuel, and so I left UC Saros in, uh, and he ended up not starting. Pekka Renning got the start, and I still cashed. So uh, left some money on the table with that one. That definitely stings. A uh, lesson learned there to make sure I'm going back to check. But, uh, hey, you, you won me that 15 cents last week, Paul. I don't know what the, the conversion rate is in the loonies. But, uh, so it's, it's not breaking the bank, but uh, a win's a win, right? That is correct, my friend. And we wish all of our listeners good luck with their picks. A fine way to end today's show. Join us again next Tuesday for the following episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Don't forget, you can watch this all unfold on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey. So long for now, folks.